Today's podcast is a very special podcast. It's an interview with someone who I've come to know, love, and respect. Um, and I think you'll feel the same way about him after you listen to this interview. The interview goes about two hours, um, and it's going to dive deeply into all the different little recesses of our psyches with regards to success. The reason I like this interview in particular is because it is a story not just about success. And, and you, I think you'll be shocked at the levels of success this gentleman has attained in his, uh, real t- in, his, in his life, but in a relatively short period of time, in about six years. Uh, he's gone from somebody who was certainly successful, had a long, successful career. And then at a time when a lot of people might think about taking a, a little, you know, taking the accelerator down to a, a slower rate, he decided to ratchet it back up again. Him and his wife, Susan, decided to get involved in a, you know, a real estate company that at that time had fewer than 500 agents and now has over 40,000 agents and is growing to probably over 100,000 agents this year, as in 2021. So the reality of it is, is this is a success story, not unlike the success stories that you hear in the tech industry. But unlike the success stories you typically hear in the real estate industry, this gentleman is somebody who's going to inspire you. He's going to motivate you. Hopefully, he'll get you into action. I've been saving this interview for the uh, end of the year because, frankly, I know a lot of you will want to hear this because it'll motivate you to set bigger goals and think 10, 20x for 2021. The reality of it is, is 2021 is going to be the start of what will be, for many of you, the greatest runs of your real estate sales careers. And by that, I mean, you're going to see ever increasing opportunities to help people buy or sell real estate um, that are going to come fast and furious. Frankly, you've got to enter into 2021 with the mindset that the market is going to just basically hit the ground running and you better hit the ground running as well. So listen to today's podcast and uh, feel the motivation. Understand that your best opportunities are still in front of you no matter what your age is, no matter what your education level is, no matter what your experience level is. Whether you're a new agent, an old agent, whether you're a broker, whether you're a team, it does not matter. The simple fact is, is what is ahead of you is the best part of your life. And please enter into the year with that knowledge. And remember, it's not too late for you to complete your real estate treasure map. If you want to download your real estate treasure map, just text 2021. Um, what is the phone number? Text 2021 to 855-685-1045. So just text 2021 to uh, 855-685-1045. You can tell my brain's in holiday mode. And again, this is the real estate treasure map, which is the fill-in-the-blank business plan. Just text 2021 to 855-685-1045. And this will be the last podcast of 2020. And I want to sincerely thank you on behalf of Julie, myself, all of our coaching staff for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily podcast in the nation. This year has been an incredible year for us because the podcast has really brought us into the ears of so many agents around the world. We're now listened to in almost 60 different countries. Um, and uh, the feedback that we've been getting from all the agents just from around the world, I, I get e- emails from agents in Portugal and Italy and you know, texts from all of you. It's remarkable. And I so appreciate, as does Julie, obviously, being part of your lives. It truly is our honor uh, to be on this journey with you and the journey to your level of success, whichever you'll, whatever level you'll choose to allow yourself to enjoy. But thank you for making this number one listen to podcast in the nation for agents, the daily podcast for agents. And thank you for the honor of allowing us to be your coach. If there's ever anything we can do for you, As we roll into the new year, I'm not hard to find, right? You can just text me at 512-758-0206. Now, I want to give a little friendly warning about today's podcast. We are going to be talking a lot about money and not just a little bit of money, 
hundreds of millions of dollars, in some cases billions of dollars, because that's the amount of money that this gentleman is now basically experiencing in his life and his and his peers that started this business with him. And this is something that I want all of you to really open your minds to the possibilities of what you can create in a relatively short period of time if you really apply it yourself. Today's interview is with Gene Frederick. And Gene Frederick is on the board of directors. He's one of the, I think, probably one of the five most influ- truly influential people in the real estate industry, if not the top three. I'm realistically, maybe even the number one most influential person in the real estate industry. He's extraordinary with what he's accomplished in his life, but what he's really extraordinary is what he's done for other people's lives. That's the reason today's interview is so special. Gene, you can tell when you're listening to him talk and present, he's not really that much focused on himself. He is really sincerely focused on... um, He's focused on helping other people. And that's why he and I and and Julie resonate because we're all sort of... We're all surfing the same vibrations, if you will. And that is being of service to other people, specifically people in the real estate industry. So when you listen today, I don't want you to be you know, turned off or, and then tune off because we're talking about money. Just open your mind. If it makes you uncomfortable, just you know, suck it up and you'll appreciate the fact that you listen because it'll start expanding your thinking. And the other thing is, is we do talk a lot about eXp Realty. Because the XP Realty, and there was a great article that just came out on Inman News, essentially is the hottest thing since sliced butter in real estate. How about that? And it is the fastest growing real estate brokerage in the history of real estate. It's going international, and we're going to talk about that. Julie and I are involved with the XP Realty. Gene is obviously involved in the XP Realty. But just listen to what he's saying. Listen to the reason why so many people are joining the XP Realty. This podcast is not us trying to recruit agents into XP Realty. This interview is about Gene, and it's about his experience in his whole life, but also all the experiences that culminated in his involvement with EXP Realty only six years ago. Um, So this is an incredible, I think you'll agree, interview, probably one of my favorite ones, just because Gene was so great to interview. And, you know, it's funny, sometimes um, I'll get feedback after some of our interviews, and I don't do a lot of personal one-on-one interviews, and the reason I don't (coughs) is because I won't do them Excuse me. I won't do them on Zoom. I only do an interview in uh, live. So if I can't do it live, I'm not going to do it because you know when you're sitting around with someone for a long period of time, you're going to get them to talk about different things they normally talk about. But one of the questions I typically get is, "How did you learn how to interview people?" And the answer is, I studied a lot of it. I read. There's you know great interviews that go all the way back to the you know, just forever, not just uh, like back to the Greeks. You can read books where people are interviewing people, where they're asking great questions. And I do have a long list of questions that I use, but I didn't have to use any of my questions with today's interview because Gene and I were so fluid with what we were talking about. Um, and the other, I guess the number one uh, way you do great interviews for those of you who are sincerely interested in learning is you interview people you're interested in. And I'm definitely interested in Gene Frederick because his, his story is inspiring to Julie and I. What he's done in his life is inspiring to us. What he continues to do for other people and the people that he continues to influence to improve their lives is truly going to be inspiring to you. So please do keep all these points in mind. Please don't have it at closed mind just because we talk about things that might make you uncomfortable. Be excited by the fact that some of these things make you uncomfortable because there's an old saying, wherever you resist the most is where your growth needs to be. So in the meantime, please enjoy the holidays. Please be grateful that you made it through 2020. That's something to celebrate right there. (laughs) And please be excited about 2021. And again, thank you as always for keeping Julie and I um, as your, your trusted advisors, your coaches. Thank you for the honor of being part of your lives. We sincerely appreciate it. Have a fantastic day. Introducing Gene Frederick.
Three, two, one, and we're back. And I'm here with a very special guest, as promised, a good friend of ours, Gene Frederick. And this is an interview I've uh, been wanting to do for the last two and a half years, um, but I've just been trying to pick the right time to do it. And I cannot think of a better time to do it than a few days before Christmas. And where, frankly, EXP is now trading at, what did it close for, $80 or something? Something like And there was an incredible article that just came out in Inman this morning talking about EXP um, and just all these other great things. And so, listeners, here's what I'm uh, telling you and I'm warning you is you're going to be hearing a lot about EXP on this podcast. So if for some reason that offends you, I apologize in advance. And if you're thinking about popping over to iTunes and giving us a bad uh, review because we're talking about iTunes, just all right, we're talking about EXP, just give me a little bit of breathing room here. Consider it a spiritual Christmas present from you to me because <laughs> we obviously are very, uh, we're true believers and we're advocates of EXP. And I think if you had an open mind and listened to some of the things we're going to talk about today, um, I think you would see why so many agents, tens of thousands, are moving over to EXP. Because really, from an agent's perspective, there's nothing that comes even close. But without any further delay, Gene, welcome to today's podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, I really good. Me too. Yeah, I wanted to have. I wanted us to have more of a, a, a contextual conversation. This is the reason I've been procrastinating, to be honest. No I problem. want to have more things that are interesting to talk about. You know. And, and since I've known you for about two and a half years, I think we've had a lot of uh, experiences together that we can kind of reflect upon. But I actually started, I only have one question in mind for you, and we'll see where it goes. So I want you to put yourself back to, um, what would have been now? When you had your original conversation about EXP. Six years ago. Okay, six years ago. Right. So where, where were you? Tell me as much detail on that as, as I know. I only know some backstory about Keller Williams and you were basically in semi-retirement and the whole story. But can you take us through that psychological journey when someone came up to you and said, here's this thing and here's what we've got? And Well, I think it's, a, I think it's good to tell because I was, I, I was unrecruitable. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. I literally had, you know, I, I've never told this story before. Six months before I met Glenn Sanford six years ago, and then I'll tell you why I met him. Uh, a company called me that was going national that had about 3,000 agents said, Gene, I want you to lead. I want us to go international. And I said, thank you for calling. It was like March of 2014. I said, thanks for calling, but I own six franchises in Keller Williams. I own a region that I've ha I started in 1998. You, we might as well not even meet. I'm just unrecruitable. And he goes, well, I appreciate it. You're the first person I'm talking to. Thanks. So this is six months. This is like the spring of 2014. I get a call from, and then I retire a few months later, actually, uh, from being a team leader. And I'm still running the offices in the region. But I get a call from Elizabeth Riley and Jill Liebernight, two of the agents that I used to work with. I was the team leader of. And they said, Gene, can you check out this model for us? And I said, what do you mean? They go, you are good at this. You, you've been in the business for so long. We can't understand it. This guy came into town. His name was Glenn Sanford. And actually, it's kind of funny story. She said, and he just talked and we thought it was cool, but we don't know how to analyze the model. Can you just analyze it for us? And I said, sure. And uh, they said, we want you to meet with Glenn. Well, that took a couple months. Glenn came out to Austin, Texas in November 2014. And, and I think it's a good instruct because I was not thinking of going anywhere, Tim. I mean, l let's face it. Susan and I had spent 21 years, our heart and soul, starting offices from scratch, signing leases that were $48,000 a month for seven years. I mean, all the junk that franchises do. And uh, we were set. 
I mean, I had more money coming in than I ever thought in my life. Um, and I meet this young, good looking guy, Glenn Sanford, and he comes into my world. And I went, I got to tell you, I spent two days with Glenn, just cut to the chase. And I came back and I said, Susan, this guy invented the company I would have invented if I would have invented a company from scratch. It is genius, the business model. Oh. I mean, when agents see that, when they discover it for the first time, and they see really the the thing has changed. Well, I want to go back to it. So when you when you started with EXP, mm-hmm. your background really was building offices. But also, yeah. is there anybody in the nation, honestly, that you can think of? I'm not trying to get you to brag. I'll brag for you. That's been more involved with successfully recruiting agents than you. Is it safe to say that you're probably the biggest recruiter in the real estate industry? Well, I don't know if I'm in the whole industry, but I think it, it's so funny when I see uh, some of the list of the top 100 uh, influential people in real estate. It's it's funny that they never go to the to the people that are working. I've talked to some of my buddies at Cobalt Banker and Remax. I it's was fascinating, KW, isn't it? Yeah, you because know, I was the top recruiter six out of my last nine years at KW. Uh, either in a regional director's role or team leader role. So I'd get up on stage and get the top thing. I don't know what that meant. I don't know how I compared to people from Remax or KW. I mean, Cole Banker, but uh, at KW, I loved it. I loved helping real estate agents. I think good recruiters just have a passion for real estate agents, period. We want to affect their lives. We want to help them in every way we can. Then I meet Glenn, and I got to tell you, because we're talking at a perfect time. I don't know what the stock price is today, mm-hmm. but it closed at 81 bucks yesterday. Yeah. Right? And this is six years ago. Guys, Think, listen to this when I tell you. It was 18 cents a share when I talked to Glenn. <laughs> 18 cents a share. And he's going at me. He goes, but here's what I realized, Tim. And this is real. This is what I realized. Glenn, do we all get it? He goes, yeah. And I said, so every agent can get stock. And he starts talking about it. I said, whoa, 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 wait. Is it common shares? Is it preferred shares? Is it stock options? He goes, no, it's shares. They're real. And I went, dude, if this is real and all the agents in our company can have shares in the company. See, that was the big thing for me. People don't realize that. I knew people love ownership. I mean, if you own Coca-Cola stock, you don't drink drink Pepsi during the pandemic. If you own Tesla stock, you're owning a Tesla. You know what I mean? And, and stock ownership was a big thing and nobody gave it to me. That's when I realized, you know, love Gary Keller. Gary's a good friend. But in 1994, when Susan and I joined, we didn't get stock. Dave Linegar worked for him in 1986 for Remax. Dave never gave me stock. If Dave or Gary would have given me stock in the beginning, I probably would have never joined the other company. Hmm, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you own it, the ownership. Totally, it's psychological. Yeah. Well, well and, and financial now. And in the franchise models, see what I realized, because I was the franchise owner, Tim, I work, that's the only way I could make money besides selling home was to get in the, be an owner, own an office, own a region. That was, that was the money that we all craved for. And of course, agents, there's only so many franchises and so much ownership. And then they look in their town, they might be in Salt Lake City, Utah, and they go, well, everybody, all the Remaxes are taken, all the Keller Williams, and they go, well, there's nothing except sell real estate. And I went, wow, Glenn. Now, 18 cents a share. I spend five months researching the company. For everybody on the podcast, I'm an ex-financial analyst. That's what I did for six years in the corporate world. 
before I got into real estate. So I love to analyze. That's why Elizabeth came to me. That's why she came to me. That's why Jill, they go, you love to analyze. I said, sure, I got spreadsheets. I don't know. By the way, for those of you in EXP, the script that Elizabeth used to recruit Gene, you, all have, you should be writing that down because it obviously worked. <laughs> Just check this out for me. You know, and, and I'm not looking. So I research it. I go meet Jason Guessing. Just, I, I, here's what everybody needs to understand about it. I only talked to two people before I joined this company. Jason Guessing and Glenn Sanford. I research it for five months. I come back and I tell Susan, this is it just, you know what's funny is six months, it's, it's six years has felt like six months to me. That's how fast my life has gone in the last six years. Well, that's what I'm wanting to, to share with the listeners so they can truly understand that. Your origin story with eXp, in, in essence, was what you just described. But it's fascinating because when you joined eXp, how many agents were there total? Uh, by the time I joined, about 400. Okay. That's incredible, isn't it, to think about that? And like now there's over 40,000 and it's projected real 100,000 by the end of 2021. And on from there, on from there, on from there. And I, it's a fascinating thing to think, well, at some point, EXP is going to hit a wall on growth. You know, the biggest uh, company ever, Keller Williams, leveled off at 160000 I don't think that's necessarily true because the model is so different than the normal franchise model. The model is so different than anything that's ever been created before. So there's no real reason why the growth wouldn't continue far past what the high watermark has been for a brokerage industry, which was KW. So you started when there was basically 400 agents and now there's uh, over 40,000 agents. Right. That's extraordinary. So what did you originally see in it? What was well, that four or five months if of you, analyzing that? Why, I mean, you well, took longer to make your decision to join well, them. Julie and I did. Well, well the reason is, is it was a different stage. Yeah. But also, I think the reason I take, took so long is, again, I was attached. Yeah. I'm, I'm unrecruitable. Right. I mean, I owned six franchises. Probably about 1,500 agents in those six franchises. I owned a region. 6,000 agents in that region. I spent... 21 years building it up. So now I'm thinking, should I change? Here's what I did. Again, analytical. I, I'm going to tell this story because it needs to be told. I pulled the profit share from KW at the end of 2014. And I pulled the top 500 profit share earners. I want you to understand. And I don't know why, Tim, I've just always thought like this. Maybe it's from I'm Texas. You know, you're a Midwest boy. Well, 3000 a month tends to change people's lives. If I can get 3,000 a month, 36,000 a year, residual, that they don't, you know, it's just coming in every month. I mean, my mom retired on that, I remember. She, you know, from, and, and I said, if I can get 3,000 a month, it's gonna take the pressure off agents. They won't have to worry about, you know, the, the ups and downs of our business, which we know, you know. Guess how many people at the end of 2014 what percentage of the agents, and at that time they had about 130,000, 140,000, what percentage of those were making 3,000 a month in, in profit You're share? talking about Keller Williams. Yeah, Keller Williams. I have no see, idea. I, see, what I did is I had, to, I had to go wait. If I'm gonna leave this model, you know, and I pulled it and I went, oh my gosh, out of 130,000 people, there were 242. Oh my. Okay, 242 total. Not, it's 20% of 1%. And I went, Wait, I, I was one of them. My wife was one of them. I thought everybody was making $3,000 or more a month, right? What was wrong with the model? Well, again, I go back to eXp. Glenn goes, we're going to revenue share. We're going to take the money off the top. 
which is the regional model for every franchise, if you guys don't know, if you're listening here. The reason I could analyze it better than anybody else, because I was a regional owner. We used to get the money off the top in the franchises. That's what the regional owners get. So the 5% or 6% that you, you guys are paying every, on every single check, where's it going? It's going to the regional owners. Right. I was getting that. And, and Glenn goes, well, we'll do that, but we'll share it with the agents instead of owners. Because now the agents are what? Our owners. So I went conceptually, I got it. I got it then. And I went, I can't affect agents' lives at KW. I thought I could, but the only way to is to get them into ownership. And the ownership was gone. Does, That's that, does that help? No, no, it does. And, and what's, I, I watched a really... Uh, I watched several really emotional, well, it was emotional for me, videos with Glenn being interviewed. And one in particular where he was describing how his original, it was 2007 or something in essence, basically the worst you know, real estate crash that, and all the whole thing. And he's, he's talking about how he wanted to make a real, he himself was essentially uh, you know, on his heels financially. And he was yeah. describing the experience that he went through. And he was a Keller Williams guy too. And he then put the, all these thoughts together, and it was in that very moment of financial darkness that he basically came up with this genius idea that is it's obviously going to be the biggest thing in real estate ever. And and so you know to find, but still the the idea, even as sound as it was between 2007 and for, to 2014, it only really had 400 agents. It was a great idea, a world changing idea. But it goes back to like it's interesting. Even having a great idea, it doesn't mean anything unless you know how to sell it. EXP or anything else, right? Enter you, and then you all of a sudden are this very spark that they were looking for. Did they even know that they were looking for you when they found you, by the you way? You know what's so funny? I've talked to Glenn and Jason about it. I got to tell you, on April 24th, uh, 2015 is when they announced me. And on April 23rd, I flew out to Phoenix to go to this event. By the way, there were 37 people at the event, and they wanted to <laughs> announce me. And I said, what do you mean announce me? And they go, well, this, these are all our brokers. We, we want to announce you. So I go out there, and I got to tell you the night before, and I need to tell people this because it's very important when you're talking about a new company. I stood up, and I just for the first time met some of the staff. By the way, seven staff members in the whole company in you know, at that time. And I, we're having dinner and I gave a toast and I said, I want you guys to know, model, awesome. Can't believe the model, but I joined because of Glenn and Jason. I said, you don't understand. I joined them. I said, and I stood up and I said, guys, I believe in you. I'm following you. And when we switch companies, we have to follow someone. Everybody thinks it's all about the model, but in reality, you're going to follow someone into a new adventure. So I, I've told these guys forever, guys, it's been six years now. Same guys I met six years ago. Same personalities have not changed. I'm going, oh, thank heaven. You know, this is what I wanted. I wanted to change agents' lives and they want to change agents' lives. When you meet Glenn and Jason, it's all about changing agents' lives, which is totally different. In the other models, it's changing the owners' lives. Well, let's put some perspective to that because right. it's a very good point because it's difficult for people to wrap their minds around this. So, so six years ago, effectively, uh, you know, the stock was worth you know, less than a quarter, you know, and, <laughs> and now it has a market cap of $5 billion, right? And um, I mean, I'm just going to... Glenn is a billionaire now, more than a billionaire. And in, in 2007, he was basically broke. 
I mean, the, what we're experiencing here is the the essence of a the American success story. I mean, even in your situation, and I'm oh. not going to talk about your financial situation, but well, we can safely say it's significantly different than it was six years ago. Oh, and, yeah. And people don't understand, and I didn't really understand this too, because it's hard to understand. When you see something grow this fast, it's you think, well, I, the train's already left the station, the, be- the best opportunity. It's just getting started. Mm-hmm. And, and to be on the ground floor, to be part of a company, and I like, it is absolutely true. When you talk to some of the executives and the people that were, you know, like you, that have been here since, you know, forever they six years right hardly forever but and and to see how the you know the money hasn't changed people in essence and what it's done more it's just it's reinforced the validity of them the of the value it brings because the emotional experience of having like talking to agents like what you were saying and i totally can relate to it right of talking to agents that probably would never have had any kind of net worth, let alone financial security in their lifetimes. I mean, most agents never do. Hell, most Americans never do. Most Americans only have 400 bucks saved, right? Right. But you're talking to some of these agents and they're making, you know, three, five, sometimes only 1500 bucks a month or 50,000. And you and I know people that are making over 100,000 a month for revenue share. And then there's, so these people are able to uh, create a, uh, generational wealth for themselves and their families and every, and donate money, wherever they're going to do it, do it. And just to be around to be in that environment where there's this many people who are having their lives changed this radically, this quickly, relatively speaking, it's it's hard to fathom. It really is. Well, that's where I missed I missed the deal. See, you got to understand my whole life since 1984, I, I was in the franchise world. I mean, I started my own franchise in 1989 with another company before KW. And I always look back on it. It's the only thing I knew. It's the only thing you do. Is it big independence in local markets? You know, in Dallas, where I was, Abby Holiday, big independent company. Been the only people don't even know who Abby Holiday is, but except in Dallas, right? They're big independent in Dallas, or franchises. That was it. And to your point, when I think about this, when I look back on it, I had no idea agents. There was no new model. I mean, let's just think of this. I mean, Century Twenty One was the first people to franchise. Then Remax, you know, right? And then KW, your banker you're, KW. Your, your brain's circling around the growth thing and how it's just going to well, start. Well, what I'm going to say is I had no idea. Do you understand six years ago when Jason and Glenn and I, you know what our, you know what our, we, we didn't know. We didn't know that the agents had no option for ownership. Right. They'd have no option for revenue share. And in our goal, I got to tell you this on this podcast, because this is real. Our goal for the end of 2020, because we're at the end of 2020. Mm-hmm. Thank heaven we're at the end of 2020, right? <laughs> Let's get this thing over with. But at the end of 2020 was 10,000 agents. Originally, six years ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no. We wrote it down. It was 10,000. Yeah. And then I said, guys, wait, wait, wait. Let's do a massive goal. What would just sit? And we went 12,000 agents. <laughs> and and so you guys got to understand on this podcast, to go from 400 agents to even 12,000 in six years, or five and a half is really what it's been mm-hmm. for me, would be really good in this in this industry. But what we didn't realize is the agents, the agents were starving for a new model. The word virtual, we talked about it, you know, when we talked today. The brilliance of Glenn is when Glenn said we're gonna get rid of bricks and mortar. And I knew we had to, but but we were way ahead of our time. Because, you know, up until the pandemic that just happened this year, I still had people going, you don't understand, our agents want to come into the office. And I go, really? And now, for five or six months during the pandemic, they couldn't come into the office. And we've had a record real estate 
right? All over the nation, real estate still. So what's happening is now I'm getting brokers calling me going, Tim, I got brokers going, how do do I go virtual? How do I do this? Did you not just realize that the world was going virtual? Did you not know as Amazon was there? Did you well, know? in their defense, you know? in their defense though, that that was it's easy. I mean, Julie and I, we have a bunch of rental properties, and uh, like we did the math on our rental properties yesterday, and like not even taking into account, we have property managers for most of them, but not taking even the account of managing the property managers. You look back at that investment thesis, and it really is asinine. It's just straight up asinine. You can buy rental properties till the cows come home, but if you look at actually what the net income is, not even including the time you put into it. Look, there's not very many paths forward for the average, you know, I'm just a poor kid from Columbus, Ohio, right? right? There's not many paths forward for normal people to actually accumulate wealth unless you discover something or, you know, basically your rich uncle dies or your, you know, whatever, uh, other than accumulating rental properties. Really, that's the main path forward that most Americans to gather wealth. And historically, that goes back forever. The greatest, you know, wealth in the history of humanity has always been accumulated through real estate, except when you discover things like this. And, and that's, and I'm not trying to get people to decide real estate or, you know, investing in real estate or, you know, doing EXP. What I'm suggesting is you do both, but the, the software or the pre-programmed thinking that we had about how you go about moving forward, assuming you want to be, you know, you want to essentially ascend in your life. It, the software doesn't really apply to the modern times anymore. Right. And the, the, you were talking about, for example, virtual thing, but here's something else you mentioned too, which I want to underline. So we are talking about the fact that EXP has a market cap of uh, $5 billion. And what it's, it's fascinating, mind-boggling to consider, is that the companies that have been around forever, that people are more familiar with the brands, say Remax or Realogy, oh, you're going to pull up this ticker thing, yeah. Their, their market caps are like 20% of EXPs. And here's the fascinating, and again, Inman talked about this today. I thought this was a really cool article. They were talking about the fact that what's happened is all these other franchises and traditional real estate models are all being, they're essentially being valued the same way. I don't know what the multiples are, you know, it doesn't matter. They're all basically, you know, if it's this company or that company, you're going to trade the same amount, you're going to be worth the same amount as these other companies. There's really, you know, Redfin would be an exception, but EXP is also an exception. So if, if an EXP is starting to trade as a, uh, a tech company does. And when that's, it truly is a tech company in essence. And so when that starts to happen, you're going to see the EXP, uh, you know, the equity and all the agents who have uh, shares in the company, that's going to be just the next trajectory upwards along with agent count. So you have the ticker symbols in front of you? Well, what's funny is uh, we look at it, Remax is worth uh, 1.173 billion right now as we're doing this. One point, let, let, let you think that. Let's just give them 1.2, 1.2 billion. Realogy, 1.6 billion. Okay. EXP, 5.6 billion. But I mean, when I think about that and I think, right, this is an idea that Glenn had probably on the back of a napkin in 2007. And look what he's created and look how many people he's helping and look how many, frankly, how many millionaires he's helping to create. It's exceptional. Well, and I think, I think Glenn and I've talked about this before. I think phenomenal, you guys read all the business books or I listen to a lot of TED Talks and all this stuff. I mean, I'm constantly growing. I'm just trying to get better every day of my life is out of the hard times come the best models. I mean, when you really have stress, it's okay to have that tension and stress. It's okay. You should live through it. But that's when you're going to have those aha moments. That's, that's when right. you're going to... Let me tell you, I, I tell Glenn all the time, Get everybody says, well, you know, it's five years old when you found them and they only had 400 agents. I said, the 400 agents are the hardest part. Yeah, for sure. The first five years of 400 agents without giving up, without going, oh, no, it isn't working. And by the way, no debt. 
I mean, I, when I met Glenn, he goes, Gene, we're doing this with cash flow. We are not, we are not, and I go, Glenn, I love you, man. Because as a business person, you don't want to have debt. We don't have zero. Now, after 11 years, we built this company with cash flow. Think of that. Now, I, I admire Glenn and Jason so much uh, to not give up. I mean, a lot of people, oh, I've been doing this for five years and there's 400 agents. So, yeah, I guess I shouldn't be doing this. I guess the model hasn't worked. Yes, it has. Well, can you imagine back in those formidable years uh, oh. where you had to explain the model to people? This is so, I mean, it, as, as far as people's acceptance of technology, that, that could have been very well a thousand years ago, right? To try to, I remember when Julie and I uh, aligned two years ago, basically two years uh, next month, we were still getting the question, what's EXP? You know, people didn't know what it was. And, and I, you know, I had to right. really learn it to understand it. It really isn't that complicated. But at the end of the day, I hardly ever hear that anymore. Like never. I can't tell you the last time I had someone ask me, well, what's EXP? I hear you guys talking about it on your podcast, whatever. What is it? And uh, I don't get that anymore. Brokers don't, you know, you'll have some markets where there's not a lot of VXP agents yet and things like that where people won't be familiar. But all they got to do is fire up the Google machine, right? And they're going to read article after article like the article Inman just wrote, you know, talking about how EXP is just getting started. And so it's it's wonderful to be part of this. But th there's the intangibles too, right? Mm -hmm. So you did, Julie and I talked about this on the show. You are the one that was holding that event in San Antonio where Julie and I drove down. Yep. And, you know, in, being in that room and in that environment, I don't know how many people there, 100 maybe, but being in that room was something I'd never experienced before, truthfully, and this sounds a little hokey, but it's true, outside of church. Because in that, and I'm not trying to sell people new religion or a cult, so listeners, if you're going to be skeptical, then you're not going to hear what I'm trying to say. It, there was a sense of, um, like, normally when you're in a real estate environment, there's just a bunch of stress. There's a bunch of people that are anxious. There's just a bunch of, you know, butt sniffing and, you know, the way, the way dogs do it and all that. But it wasn't that environment. The environment was something that, I, again, I never experienced before in real estate where people felt um, they were confident. But I don't know what the word is. They, they felt like um, when you give somebody the path forward and how they can be financially free, where they don't have to worry about their house payment and their car payments, where they could just maybe create... It doesn't matter how much money it is, 3000 5000 a month. Right. When you show them how that happens and then you, and how relatively simple it is, truthfully, especially with the company growing like it is, that is such a stress reliever for people that they can't intellectually and emotionally conceive it. They can't actually feel it, right? And to be in a room, like we did a series of podcasts about this, how everyone walks around with this 800-pound gorilla on their back. And it's not until that gorilla starts to let go of you with his fingers, you know, his big gorilla hands letting one finger go at a time. It's not until you feel the weight lessening a little bit, a little bit, do you realize what an omnipresent burden that's been on your life. And it's fascinating to me how, like, the question isn't how will your life, your life change if you're, you know, rich, where, you know, your money works for you, you no longer have to work for your money. It's not how will you, it's what won't you do different, right? So how will you think differently? How will you live differently? How will you interact with people differently? How will you value your time different? What books will you, you mentioned TED Talks, right? Oh. So when you don't have that omnipresent sense of financial dread, which is really what it is, it's a sense of dread, um, especially for real estate agents because it's transactional income constantly, right? When that's gone, the, the, that environment, when I was with you in that event, when I saw all those people who maybe had gotten there financially or on their way there, that was something incredible. That's what sold me, frankly, because for Julie and I, it was the 
continuation of what our mission was, which is similar to yours, right? Making agents' lives better. I mean, that, those those are our people, right? Those are the people that God put in front of us that we're supposed to take after. That's the bottom line. Right. For whatever reason, those are the people, right? <laughs> and that's that's the path we've chosen, and, and that's the we gave we basically dedicated our entire adult lives to that. But to see what Glenn created, where he like Julie and I can educate him and motivate him and get him into action. But what Glenn created with that model is he created a way to actually take what our vision was and take it to the next level, right. which is helping them create financial security that many people in their lives never experience. Until and like, I, you know, I don't know how else to express it. I mean, that really it's it is a magical experience when you're around people, agents in particular, that don't have that sense of you know that dreadful feeling that they don't even know that they have. Well, you know, you think about it. Our industry has been so owner driven for such a long time that that I was always looking for owners. I sold franchises for a living. So I'd come to Tim and Julie and go, boy, they're talent. I can't wait to talk them into buying a franchise because it was so owner-driven. And, and I, I told even Glenn, I said, Glenn, who's going to build this company? I got to go find owners. I, the first couple months I was here, I'm going, no, 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 no. I'm just looking for good real estate agents. And, and if I give them the opportunity to grow the company rather than an owner, get out of the way. That's why... Instead of having 10,000 agents at the 2020, we're at 42,000 agents. Why we blew it, because I went, well, Gene, it's just because I had old tapes. I call them old tapes. My old tapes were, well, you got to go after owners. You have to go. Mm -hmm. And it was just old tapes. It was just drilled into me. You better find leaders, leaders. Well, guess what? Susie over here, who's selling $2 million a year as a leader, and she knows people. And I have people texting me now, of course, with the stock at over $80 a share going, Gene, you changed my life. I can't believe it. And, and, and I'm just telling you, Jim, they're normal agents. Oh, I know. That's, a, that's what just, I was trying to express. They're, they're not, they're just, I mean, selling two million a year. Right. Three million a year. They're just normal, they're just normal yeah. people that are just right. doing their jobs and going to their kids' softball teams. They had no big aspirations right. or plans. What they were smart enough to do is make the move to align with the XP. And then they talked to three or four people and then, you know, Three of them got it, and then they did, 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 did. and then it just—it's so funny to run into people that have relatively large revenue share. That when you talk to them, they really had no plan to ever grow a revenue share group. It just sort of happened because people are wanting to join EXP. It's the question is the question is now essentially why wouldn't you? Like why wouldn't you join? What's standing? And, and there's a lot of yeah. emotional reasons why. Well, too. Let me like, g- like people believing they need bricks and mortar and things right. like well, that. Right. Well, let me give you an uh, an agent. There's a really good agent that we got from Remax. She was so sweet. I won't say her name, but she goes, "Gene, I'm not going to recruit." She's this is this is in the beginning. This is like 3 years ago. She was, "I am not going to recruit. I just want to come over here and sell homes." I go, "Cool." She goes, "But I love that KV Core." She was that KV Core. I'm going to really get into that. And so I we got her training and she's couple weeks later, she's getting leads, 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 leads. And she goes, oh my God, I can't handle all these leads. So she started calling her ex Remax buddies saying, <laughs> do you guys need some leads? And they go, what do you mean? She goes, well, I've got tons of leads. I got too many leads. And they go, how are you getting these leads? And she goes, well, I'm doing this. So I, I see her at one of the lunch and learns. She's already attracted 10 people from her old company. She goes, but Jean, I'm not going to recruit. She goes, I'm not going to recruit. I said, wait, wait, 10 people have joined. She goes, yeah, but they're joining because of KV Core. They're joining because of KV Core. And, and, and it's funny. People forget we're about sales first. Yeah. We're about sales first. And, and we've talked a lot about the residual income, the rev share or the stock. But really, we're about sales. And she goes, I can't. Of course, then she started getting the rev share. So she's got 10 people over and she started getting She goes, this is pretty good. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's because 
And, and I tell people, I don't sell them on the rev share first. I sell them on the fact that you're going to sell real estate here. Oh, definitely. And you're going to sell real estate and you're going to acquire stock. You're going to sell real estate and you're going to acquire stock. And they go, what do you mean? How do you acquire stock? And I said, well, there's five different ways. You get stock on your first sale every year. Woo-hoo. You get stock when you cap. You get stock when you uh, attract an agent. Oh, and you can take 5% of your stock. This is the beauty. Your commission. Commission. And buy stock, sorry. five At, at a discount. At 10% discount. Yeah. Hello, what's wrong with this? Mm-hmm. So, so I said, just, just get involved and they go and they just do it. Of course, then we've got an icon program for the top producers and uh, they get their whole cap back in stock. But when I look at the stock program, we have not touched that in six years. What's so exciting about it is we kind of invented it together, Glenn and Jason and I, they had some of it set up and then I added the icon and some other stuff because I went, I want to go after top people and we just put it in place and now we don't even think of touching it because guess what? We want all of our agents to own stock. So this is like, you just brought something up and it, this is counterintuitive. So when Julie and I first got involved about two and a half years ago, when we were meeting in Georgetown, Texas, I was uh, worried that there would be too many, at least it was a stupid thinking, but it's what it was, that once you produce, once agents start creating enough passive income, that they'll stop selling real estate. And I discovered oh. that the exact opposite is true because when, when they're, when they're, becoming wealthy on this, you know, passive ways that Glenn and you and, you know, Jason created, they actually are more motivated to sell real estate. They're actually more excited to go out there and help people, not less. So it's counterintuitive because people would think, well, if you, you know, take the financial monkey off their back, they won't ever be motivated again. It's they're more motivated because now what they're doing with the money is they're doing more things with their lives. They're donating it there. We know people that are, I mean, you guys were just writing a stack of checks to different charities that you guys are doing. Right. You know, that's what your wife was just doing. And Julie and I do that every year in different ways. And so the reality of it is it makes you, uh, it makes you freer to essentially live a, the, a rendition of your life that you never would have maybe had the opportunity to because you were spending too much time just trying to make ends meet. And, and that's what's exciting. And selling real... I remember there was this gal named um, uh, Duval, And um, I don't remember her first name. But I met her at a Howard Britton thing in the 90s. And her husband, Jim Duval, who's passed away, was a real legit billionaire. And Marianne Duval, And she was selling in Florida. And she was... Um, she gave all of her money away. So Howard's doing this interview with her because you remember Howard. Right. And he was doing his interview. And then, and then she goes like, yeah, I sell a house and I just donate all the money. And Howard's, go, Howard's like, what? <laughs> she goes, like, yeah, I don't keep any of the money. I, I sell houses because I enjoy it. And then I donate all the money. And these are the places I donate. So what happened was is her motivation wasn't to pay the bills anymore. Her motivation was to uh, earn more money so then she can help more people. And that's in alignment with basically how all of us are hardwired is to be in service to more people, you know, and that, and that's a, that's the, the overriding gift that this model has created for so many people, which is really incredible to be part of, especially now that it's just literally starting to really take off. That's what I was going to say. We're just starting. Yeah. What's exciting. What's exciting is now that you have people that have uh, been doing it for five, six years or three years or two years, it just, it just builds, but we're not going to stop. We're going to change the industry forever. Because you got to be virtual. If you're not virtual, if there's a company out there right now that's not virtual, they're thinking about what they got to be to be virtual. For sure. And they can't really. It's difficult for a bricks and mortar franchise thing. How are they going to pivot? Yeah. And get, they can't. They can't. So, so we were way, way far, far ahead there. That's why when I, I was really attracted, attracted to Glenn in the beginning, because I'm not techie. I'm a salesperson. I admit it. I mean, I sold real estate for a long time. That's what I am. And I'm a business person, but I didn't know this tech. How are we going to go virtual? And then I see this avatar thing and I go, wow, 
cool. See, I didn't think like that. I thought maybe small offices. I think if you think of the franchise world, a small office in every major city. I actually thought of that. And then I thought of, I thought of all this before I met Glenn, uh, but, but what's really funny, I couldn't execute. So, so him executing for five years before I met him and having 400 agents, and by the way, he only, we only started the corporation in 2013. See, that's one thing most people don't realize. It was private, oh, that's true. I yeah, yeah. That. he did a reverse merger on a Canadian company in 2013. He says, Gene, he goes, I wasn't thinking big enough. See, Glenn did it from 09 to 13. Privately held. Yeah, yeah, and then, then he went, no. We, and see, that's what I love about Glenn, because we're constantly thinking, how can we do it better, bigger? And, and just Glenn thinks like that. And he goes, man, I wasn't thinking. He went to some seminar, and they said, you're not thinking big enough. He goes, you're right. Got to do the... And that I would not be here if it wasn't for the corporation. They used to call those reverse IPOs, basically, where you right. buy a publicly traded company. Right. And the, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, and it's like 13 cents a share, say 18 cents a share. But, but everybody laughed at us for years, right, until May 21st, 2018, when we got uplisted to NASDAQ. And ever since then, two of the top agents in the nation called me that day. That I called in the beginning, literally top, it, that for other companies that you guys are legit. Someone asked you some again. personal questions. Sure. And you can wave me off because I can't see you. So you were, I, I'm really curious about, so you were, you and Susan were at the points in your lives where you guys were basically set for life and you didn't have to basically strap on your body armor and go and be downrange and get back into battle, right? Mm -hmm. You didn't. And I, I, the reason I admire this so much truthfully is because I'm 50 <laughs> and I really, really am attracted to uh, people who essentially give themselves second, third and fourth you know, bites of the apple as they get older. I, th I think that's incredible. Like I even, I mean, when you see a president who's, uh, you know, chomping at the bit in their seventies and their eighties, I love that. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're this sort of, we, you and I were talking about this just today. People have these preconceived limiting belief notions about themselves where they think when they reach a certain age, like you were telling me your story when you lived in California, how you go to these, when you were a kid in the fifties and sixties, how you go to these, uh, these retirement areas. And I was just joking with you that those people that were in those places were probably in their forties and their fifties. And, you know, their belief is that 40s and 50s, you sort of just hang up your, you know, your spurs. And a lot of people still believe that way. Mm -hmm. And being coaches and writing books and doing our podcasts, we will often run into people who say, I had pretty much given up on thinking big and having any kind of aspirational thoughts in my mind, right? Right. I, it, You've never been hanging up your Spurs type. I don't know you well enough to say that for sure, but I just get that impression. But what, I mean, you told me you well, loved this idea and it was inspirational and you loved all of it. But what was, what is it about Gene Frederick that caused you, you were essentially 59 or 60 when you decided to basically go back into battle, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. can you take us back there to well, maybe inspire other people that are at that same well, point Well, I lives? would say this. Number one. I had to convince my wife, right? <laughs> I'm familiar with this. Uh, you guys, anybody with a spousal unit, as I say, um, out there, uh, I thought, how am I going to convince Susan? Because, again, at that time, we had raised five kids. Uh, at that time, we had four or five grandkids. Now we have nine. But uh, I said, how am I going to convince Susan? Because you do have those preconceived notions. It's really weird. It is, isn't it? Yeah. How you're supposed to be at a certain age, and now you're supposed to relax and go backwards. Right. And I said, Susan, I read, and she goes, what? And I said, I'm the exact same age that Colonel Sanders won when he started Kentucky Fried Chicken. She goes, what do you mean? I said, he lived another 30 years, and I'm going to live another 30 years, and baby, we're going to rock this thing. And, and she goes, okay. And thank heaven I'm married to Susan, because, I mean, most people would have just said no. We've got enough coming in. 
That's, that's human nature though, to not take risks. And, and quite honestly, the first year, I did not make a lot of money at, at, at DXP. I expected not to make a lot of money, by the way. But, but the bottom line was, is she believed in me. And I got to fast forward two and a half years later, we're in Thanksgiving. And, and I love Thanksgiving, guys. I'm nowhere at the Christmas season. I love Christmas too, of course. But Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday because we get all the family together. And we all go around and we have to say what we're thankful for. And it's fun to hear it from a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, a three-year-old, and all our kids. And the last person to speak was Susan. And Susan said, I'm thankful that EXP worked. Hmm. And you know, you think about it, even though we did it, two and a half years later, the monkey that you talk about was off our back. Do you, so let me, let me, you know, kind of hurt on that. Yeah. Okay. So what, and again, this is just, you know, sure. Tim coaching psychology. But what I've noticed is a lot of times, especially in men, this doesn't happen in women, men will get that monkey off the back just a little bit, and then they go through a destruction mode and, and put that monkey back on. And they'll usually do it through mm-hmm. some kind of dumb thing in their marriage, or they'll do it through take you know financial things. And I'll just tell a very abbreviated story. So there was a great book. I don't remember the name of it. If Jules was here, she'd of course remember it. It's about an astronaut, a Canadian astronaut. It was written a couple of years ago. And the gist of it, part of the chapters in the story, he was talking about the fact that he was and all of his guys that were uh, wanting to become astronauts, the best of the best. Their entire lives, they're always the front of the class, the 4.0s. They're always the smartest, the brightest, always got the pretty girl, always basically the whole thing. And then these guys, you know, this is the profile of most of these guys that go to, you know, try to become astronauts. And then they become fighter jocks. All these guys are former fighter pilots and they're the best of the best and all the rest of it. So they, for the most part, it's not like they haven't had to work, but they've had some Let's just call them genetic, um, you know, advantages that maybe other people haven't. Can we agree to all of that? Like I'm never playing basketball, right? Sure. <laughs> that was what sure. I'm saying. Okay. So, so they had, they were obviously the best of the best for all kinds of reasons. So then they go to astronaut training school and these guys in astronaut training school were just like I just described, but for the first time in their lives, they're having their asses kicked. For the first time in their lives, they're basically out of control and they're being challenged and they never developed the system to handle uh, having to uh, essentially struggle. Now, again, I'm not trying to downplay the efforts that they made to get where they were, but I'm just saying for the most part, they were used to being the best of the best and the world seeing them as the best of the best. Now they're going through this astronaut training, which is like the most brutal, nasty, horrible training you could possibly ever go through. He talks about it in his book. And like to a person in his astronaut training class class, they all basically got divorced. They all created these problems in their lives because for the first time ever, they weren't easily passing through the rungs of life. And the interesting thing is I see that same type of behavior happening with agents who become successful. And you've seen this too, if you mm-hmm. think about this, obviously. Yep. We know tons of people. Yep. I'm sure we know thousands of people in common. And they create these levels of success for themselves and then they, they destroy them. You yep. understand? Financially, yep. maritally, health-wise. Yep. Because they're not comfortable not having that pressure on their back. Their software, their preconceived notion of themselves is they have to be the person in the struggle mode. And if they're not for the first time, they're so unfamiliar with the person, the reflection in the mirror that they've got to put themselves back to that. Do you you understand what I'm trying to express? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a guy thing a lot. I I, think so, too. I I do. I I don't know why I can feel that. When you were talking like that, I could understand, you know, I've got to provide. 
So that's what I'm asking you to, to right. the listeners' sake. So you yeah. were in your late 50s, early 60s. You decided to basically yep. go back, and you did put a lot at risk because you did, you know, work your butt off. You did travel all over the place. You, you know, up yep. until COVID, you still were. I don't even want yep. to know what your frequent flyer miles are. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was kind of all over the place, and I also think, well, you, you know what? That's okay though. And when I say that, it's okay. If you want to accomplish something history making, you've got to be out of balance for a while. Definitely. And I told Susan, I said, we've done this before in our marriage, right? When I started the other six franchises, we put our hands together and said, honey, I'm going to have to fly out. I'm going to have to do it. You know, life's going to be out of balance for a while. Then I started seven franchises in like uh, three years. But where would, where from you, when I'm, and maybe you can't, maybe you've never thought about like this before, which is perfectly fine. Yeah. But where did you muster that when the world was telling you, for the most part, uh, this is the time of your life when you don't basically decide to be out of balance. Where, well, where'd that come from? I don't know. I don't. I, it's just maybe. Maybe it's just me. And I and I and I and I tend to think too. Um, I'm con- I, I'm never going to stop growing. I'm never going to stop growing. So that's the essence of it, right yeah, there. Yeah. In other words, if you ever stop growing as a human being, I mean, I I, I, I listen to tons of TED talks. I don't know about everybody on here, but since pod, since I'm not traveling around like I used to and everything, <laughs> I'm listening to every you know. Tim and Julie Harris podcast. I'm listening to so many podcasts and TED Talks because I want to be the best human being I possibly could be. And I want to help people. And I think my big why, somebody asked me 20 years ago, this is 20 years ago, when are you going to retire? I mean, I I love that question. I said, what do you mean? Define retirement. And they go, well, I guess it's when you you have enough money to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, and you're with whom you're doing it. And I looked right at him 20 years ago. I said, I'm retired now. They go, what do you mean? I said, I'm doing what I want to do when I want to do it with whom I want to do it. And one of my buddies was sitting there and I go, I'm retired now. He goes, what do you mean? I said, I'm retired now. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm with Tim Harris and Julie Harris on their podcast. In lovely Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico. Overlooking a beautiful harbor and the sun coming in. And I'm sitting here going, wait, 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 when are you going to call it quits? For some reason, I don't know what all the books have been written. It's just, you've got to. I hope I never hit that. It's complacency. Exactly. Right? So so that's the common element I've seen with anybody. If you read all the books and the right. TED Docs and know people, it's their, It's almost like a it, their fear is becoming complacent. Their fear is not always constantly improving. But it's, it's fascinating, the psychology, right? So when people say, I'm going to stop, uh, I want to just basically get to the point where I can quote and re- retire, where I'm no longer making a contribution to the world, where I'm just basically going to kick back and just watch the days go by. That's when you start to lose everything you have. So the lesson I think in that, and I'd be interested to know your take on it, is mm-hmm. actually becoming complacent is impossible, even if you think you're wanting to, because everything around you is going to continuously changing. Your body, your finances, your health, your relationships, your spirituality, your education level. So if you ever try to just basically stop always improving, that's when you actually lose what you already have. The word I see a lot in our uh, kind of culture in America is I've never used the word maintain. When I hear M, the maintain word, I've heard it all my career. You get uh, real estate offices get to a certain size and the guy goes, I hope we maintain this profit. And, and any company that wants to maintain or even in your relationship. Yep. You and Julie got to constantly work on that relationship to get better and better. But, oh, wait, wait, we're going to maintain the relationship we have now. And it just doesn't cut it. So I find myself, anytime I hear myself going, oh, I just want to maintain this, I go, no, 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 no. I'm going to grow. I'm going to get better. It's really weird. I, my mom was a psychologist type 
master's degree in counseling. So I like that stuff. I like that. Why are we striving to get better? Well, you know what? That's what you should do in life. There's no reason you shouldn't strive to be better every single day. But, um, and everybody kind of thinks it's money. Money has nothing to do with it. it, it it's, it's like, I want to be the best human being. I want to be the best dad I could ever be. I can't wait to do some investments with my son and my daughter. And I, I, I'm excited. I, we're going to go, you, I got to tell you about it when we get off, but we're go, doing some investments that I'm really excited about. Cause why? Cause I get to do them with my son and my daughter. That's the fun part of life. But the first leg is getting, if you are listeners, if you're trying to translate all of this and I hopefully you're getting something from this cause I am, I love sitting here with him, but the first leg is if you can get that financial burden off your back. So you don't actually have yep. to feel that omnipresent sense of yep. having to basically worry about your bills. That really, if you can get that gone from your life, that's where you start. But this is, this is the, the fun part of being around thousands of people who are going through this transformative process themselves you know, where they don't have that omnipresent burden anymore, at least not the same level of intensity. And then the people that they're starting to become, the thoughts that are now entering into their lives, the the things that they're involved in in their lives that they never would have had the opportunity to be, be because they were so burdened with that 800 pound girl. Maybe now the girl is only 400 pounds and maybe in another two years, the little, you know, SOB is going to be 50 pounds and then it's going to be gone, whatever. But being on that, being on that path, for most people is motivational. Being on the path to know that they can actually be free, that's what I think is the real special je ne sais quoi secret sauce of BXP. Well, think about it, Tim, you know, all our lives, and, and again, love the David Ramsey stuff. Okay, pay off all your bills, that's fine. Cool, well, who thought of that? The people from the Depression. Yeah, definitely. The people from the Depression. I mean, my parents were, came Depression babies, you know, my, my grandparents. So. So there's two generations of depression people that we were raised by. How pay off all your bills, pay off all your bills. I got news for you. You and I have affected more people's lives at EXP than David Ramsey ever has. You know why? Because we're on the income side. Because the first thing David Ramsey says on all his podcast, on his shows, I've listened to him. He goes, how much money are you making? I can't t- teach you to pay off all your bills until I find out how much money you're making. And the person goes, well, I'm making 5000 a month. Well, I can't really do much for you. But if you're making 20000 a month, 30,000 a month, 40,000 a month. Oh yeah, dude, we'll pay off those bills really quick. So, so if you guys are, what, I, what I've switched, and I've actually worked on Susan over the years, because Susan grew up definitely Midwest, just like you, <laughs> just Youngstown, Ohio, right? Yep. Definitely Midwest. Mom lived in the same home they always grew up in, right? All her lives, you know? And, and I look back on it, it's like, pay off all your bills, do this, why? Why? I tell her, I said, I don't want to pay off all my bills. She goes, what do you want me? I want to make so much money. I want to make so much money. I've been after this for 25 years. By the way, I started this in 1995. I told Susan, I said, I don't want to look at a bill. She goes, what do you mean? I said, can you pay the bills? She goes, yes. And I said, honey, you pay the bills. I'm going to make the income. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make up so much income that the bills I don't care about. Well, I'm going to touch on that because you and I originally, we had a conversation two years ago about that. Cause, yeah. But the thing is, is the other thing that's changed that's truly bizarre that's basically made you even more right, frankly, is that um, inflation. Inflation and yes. real estate values. And you can buy, you're going to pull the, you're going to pull the phone off oh, with, on okay. your hand. Yeah. The, the inflation of, uh, that we're seeing in real estate prices are going to more than cover the cost of the loan. So you can get a 30-year fixed rate mortgage right now for less than 3%. I mean, honestly, why the hell would you have the house paid off? Especially in most of the country, the houses are going up by way more than the cost of your loan. So the inflation is actually paying your mortgage for you. 
don't pay the house off. If you're in the position to pay it off, don't pay it off. Now, that is uh, bizarre for me to even hear those words coming out of my mouth. Right. Because Julie and I have always been, they pay your crap off. That's right. But it really is doesn't really make sense. But going, I, mean, I don't know how we circled in and talked about this. <laughs> but, the, but the truth is, is that once you have, what, what you're talking about, I think, is from your own perspective of your own wealth building path. And you're now looking back and giving advice to us normal you can only, people. You can, only you can only connect dots looking back. You know, I love that saying. You can only connect dots looking back. You can't connect dots looking forward. Right. I don't even know what tomorrow's going to be like. I can't do the dots forward. Um, so looking back, the best thing I ever did was kind of convince Susan, we don't have to pay everything off, honey. Why? I said, we're going to make so much money that we are going to fly, fly. You know, it was only a couple of years ago. Let's just fly first class all the time, honey. She would call me and say, well, should we do a coach or first? I said, honey, quit calling. Just quit calling. Just do first class. You know why? Because the room, now you talk to her, she won't sit because the room, it wasn't the, it, it, it was just the freedom. So what, what extra he income? He means the room and the seats, guys. The room and the seats. Yeah, the room and seats because Susan, like, but, but here's what I'm going to tell everybody. All our lives, we've been taught the wrong way that, that we should just pay off everything. I got news for everybody on this podcast. If you pay off everything, do you still have to pay your taxes on your home? Yeah, right. And well, here, think about this. Especially in this bizarro parallel universe that we're coming into. You're, those of you who have student loans, I mean, Julie and I paid our student loans off our first year in real estate when we were early right. 20s. You know, with 43 grand, we paid them off with a profit yeah. we made from selling houses our first year. But they're going to start doing some student loan forgiveness that's going to make it so that people like Julie and I were not necessarily smart because they start doing student loan forgiveness. Why would you pay your student loan off? I mean, look, this is not financial advice that you would normally have, <laughs> but with the you know Fed printing this much money, was it 900 $39 billion just yesterday or day before, and all this money is going to be trickling out of the economy. It's going to cause, it's going to cause really massive inflation. It, some people are arguing against that, but thus far the train seems to have left the station on the uh, people that are believing in the inflation side. And that's going to continue. So that actually leads to kind of an interesting conversation, I think. So people are ro we're rolling into 2021. And Julie and I are working, right? Aren't you glad to have... Julie's got a really funny joke. I wish I could remember it. It's something like, the only problem with 2021 now is now it can drink. It's legal. So, <laughs> so who knows what's going to happen, right? But the truth is, is that um, it's essentially rolling into this year, there's... I've been looking, and Julie and I have been looking to do a balanced predictions podcast. And I can't come up with one because I just come up with... And, Look, I'm an optimist. Anyone, you know, a salesperson, you better be an optimist. But the truth is, I cannot find a single reason not to believe that 2021, and really probably for the next three to five years, is going to be exceptional for the real estate industry. Do you have any opinions on that? Well, I, of course, I missed it in March and April when we all thought it was going to go for right, sure. Right. But who I, knew? Who knew that we really were going to do a, you know, a checkmark type recovery? At least housing did. Yes, housing did. Um, oh, I. I, I Interest rates are the key. What people don't understand is buyability. You know, the, the ability to buy a home, if the interest rates continually stay low, which they're supposed to be. For he, they made a commitment. The Fed made a commitment through uh, 2023. Right. That they're going to keep rates super low, which means they're going to keep rates super low forever. Yeah. They're not going to raise rates. No. So it's without raising rates, um, I mean, I'm refining, 
refinancing this house right now. Why? Because I want to get money out. And everybody goes, why? And I said, you, you, know, you have it paid off. I go, no, no, no. I want that money in my hand because the interest rate is so low on that. And you can invest this money and do something else with it. Um, that's exactly what I'm going to do. It's a, it's a bizarre once in a lifetime set of circumstances that's going to make it so that more people, if they're not in that old software fear mode, they're actually going to be able to uh, create more opportunities for themselves. Financial is what I'm referring to, but for their real estate customers too. I mean, if you understand the opportunities that are presenting themselves over the next you know, phase in this economy, uh, be incredibly op- opportunistic because the wind is totally at your back. I mean, it's when you like Julie and I, again, we're researching this because we want to do a really good job on this podcast. Yeah. I'm trying to find one little granular thing that would lead us to some kind of breadcrumb that the economy or that the housing wasn't going to be a home run for the next foreseeable future. I can't find anything. Can you think of anything? No, I can't. And I read all the stuff too. And, and, you know, we're all trying to figure it out, but, uh, it's the interest rates are the key to me. That that's definitely true. The, the interest, interest rates, rates are the key to me. If it's affordability, right? The affordability index that I looked at all the time, it's still just so doggone inexpensive to own a home. Why would you lease? Why would you lease right now? You're missing out on the inflation. You're missing out on the appreciation on those homes. Right. So people conflate that word inflation and, and appreciation. Right. But I mean, for now, it's you can use inflation or um, appreciation. The, re- the reality is that truth is the output's the same. Your asset goes up in value. Right. Right. But there's other things that are inflating too. Where it gets scary, just around the bend on the inflation thing, is when the inflation starts to really creep its uh, way into commodity prices, food, gas, things like that. Because then uh, it's, it comes harder for people to feed their families. And right. th- at that point, then, we've, then we're around the bend on the... Uh, right. Then we enter into this other area called hyperinflation, which I've not run into a single person that believes that will happen. But in the interim, agents, if you're listening, if you're feeling in any way pessimistic about your future in the next three to five years, you got to set that aside. A little natural skepticism is fine, but you've got to see this as your greatest opportunity of your lifetime, no matter what your age is, to put yourself in a position to help, you know, however many people you allow yourself to help. And frankly, just possibly set yourself up for the rest of your life financially. I mean, I'd be calling all my past clients and going, hey, look, why don't we just refi right now? It's not like, it, the question you know? The question is, wouldn't, 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 what wouldn't you be doing, right? Yes. Everything. Everything. You're, you're going to do everything, right? And people say, well, there's no listings. Well, no, there are tons of listings. And, you know, January is about to roll around. Everyone should be looking in their MLS to see right. for the first you know, week in January how many expireds there were. There's no expireds in my marketplace. Yes, there are. Go back a year, see how many of those expireds uh, pop up and, you know, start doing some homework and research on this and go after the listings. Uh, just a little coaching hat just for a second is if you're um, predicating your financial future working on buyers, you're going to feel like you're um, in the blender. So our strongest advice, uh, and and Gene, you don't have to agree, but become a listing agent. Do whatever it takes to become a listing agent because listing agents in the future are, they always have been the whole ball of wax, but now more so, I think. And I can't think, so look, buyers are great. Buyers are a social experience. They're physical work. Working with sellers is mental work. You have to have a skill set. Get the skill set. Well, the, 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 the listings, you control your own time. Yeah. Let's and, face it. You know, but don't you think it's I, buying buyers? I mean, that seems so asinine. Buying buyer leads seems so asinine to me. No, just, just take one listing and you have to beat the buyers off with a stick. Right. I mean, right? Yeah. How well, many buyer- take one listing and sit, sit up one open houses and you, you, you get all the buyers you want. It, it, yeah, exactly. And how many of those buyers have houses to sell and now you have some listing leads? Right. It all starts with the list, learning how to be a listing agent. Oh, most definitely. Uh, the top, and I've taught farming forever. I believe in farming. I, I always tell people, they go, what do you mean farming? I, well, the homes don't move. 
except in East Texas. But the homes don't move, <laughs> except on those wheels, we all know. But, but I laugh because, and they, and they go, what do you mean? I taught farming forever. I've never coached a top agent, ever, that didn't farm an area, that didn't control homes, didn't, didn't know that market so well that they, they go, Gene, I'm gonna get 150 sales every year from those you know, 2,000 homes or whatever. I mean, they could give me their numbers. They were just unbelievable. They go, I'm, and then they just get bigger and bigger because they, they keep farming. Everybody says, well, uh, farming takes a long time. Those are the old timers telling you it's doing that. Well, you, if you combine it, farming, you're, you're not just talking about postcards. Right. No, you're talking no, about no. getting to know the area. You're talking becoming, yeah, the niche, the niche agents are definitely the most profitable agents in the oh. country. There's no well, they doubt. They know their market. They know it so well. Exactly. And the market knows that they know it so well. So that's the reason that those people, you know, gravitate towards being the, you know, I'm thinking of Rob Johnson in Greenwich, Connecticut. I started yeah. coaching this guy six or seven years ago. Um, and uh, he's, uh, he's now the number one agent in all of Greenwich. And the way he's done it basically is he doesn't right. do any marketing or anything really. His company does it for him, some of it. But it's just essentially working people, getting to know people. He won't prospect. He'll call centers of influence and past clients. That's the extent of it. But look, guys, you have to be opportunistic. And I know this time of year, and it's perfectly fine, especially after 2020, that you want to sort of take a, an emotional breath. But don't have it be too long uh, because 2021 is going to start. There's not going to be any sort of, you know, ramping up into the new year. It's going to start. People, the buyers, the sellers, the market is not going to have any sort of reprieve rolling into the new year like it, it normally does. So be ready. Be mentally and emotionally ready. So um, as far as like, if you were talking with a new agent right mm -hmm. and the new agent right now is asking themselves what is it that where are the you know is this a smart industry to be in i think that's a softball question mm -hmm. but what were what would be the mistakes that a new agent or any agent really just expanding upon it needs to be considering so they don't make like there's a lot of and julie and i rally again you right. listen to our show there's so many people out there that are selling false promises with fake ideas that oh. sometimes agents get into this business and we've actually graphed this that the when you know back in the 90s right the average agent was in the business for a little over two years and now that number is probably about a year and a month a year and two oh. months and it's because they get into the industry and they never actually have developed the skill set to be of service to people at the end of the day they're doing the wrong things and no one's telling them that right and that's the reason one of the big reasons that agent churn is is has increased you know not decreased in spite of the fact there's all these different ways for agents to generate business. What comes to mind? Well, well? two things. My sister just got in the business two years ago in Scottsdale, Arizona, and it was so much fun to kind of coach her through this and to see a brand new agent who's, you know, never sold real estate getting into it. But, but after two years that here's, here's the problem with new agents. They don't give themselves time to know the market and know the business and provide that service. They expect to just know it right away. Could, could you imagine becoming a nurse and, and you're going to have to become the best nurse? You're going to get better and better and better and better. And, and to watch my sister go through that first year and struggle and go, man, I'm doing leases. I'm doing anything. I'm just, I'm learning the market. Even though she lived there all her life, she went, I got to learn this. Second year, killed it. When I say that, became a capper. Third year now, started the third year. And I've always said this, the start of the third year, capped in like a month. Did you sponsor her? Yeah. Yeah. But what, I, but what I'm, yeah. But what I'm saying guys is to see her just go through that. I said, you know, not everybody's a superstar the first year. Mm -hmm. I think the big misnomer is people are, Oh, I'm not doing as good as I was not a superstar the first year. I've heard your guys, you guys killed it. I did not. 
So I love what you're saying because it's so I did true. Not. Everything in life worth having takes a hell of a lot longer than you think it should. Oh, big time. Yeah. Well, look at that Rev- is frustrating, but it's true. Oh, well, look at RevShare. <laughs> Same thing with RevShare. My first year in RevShare, I made $39,000. And I always tell people that and they go, what do you mean? I said, that's all I was doing. I wasn't even selling homes. So you only made 39000 your first year? Yes. But guess what? I'm willing to put in the effort to make it in the long haul. And that's the problem with real estate. People get in and they just think, you know... You're going to make tons of money in the beginning. You got to learn. You got to learn your trade. Now, some people that come in with sales skills—that's awesome. You've already learned to be a salesperson. I was an accountant, so I got into the business, and I didn't have those skills. I had to learn them. I had to read books. I had to go to Howard Britton. I had to go to all those guys and learn, learn, learn. And then all of a sudden, my second year, I did pretty good. So I love what you're saying there too. The, a lot of these gimmicks that agents fall prey to are designed to make them think that they don't actually have to put the real work in for long enough to actually have a skill set that's marketable. And, and at the essence of it, that is, I think, right there, I agree 100%. That's the reason so many agents fail. Because no one's telling them that if they want ever-increasing levels of success, they have to do what they don't want to do when they don't want to do it at the highest level. And everything in life is so nerfed up nowadays. No one's really telling people the truth that Look, if you want to do anything meaningful in life, it really does take a lot of suffering. It just does. But you should enjoy the suffering. You know, a lot of people go, oh, you know, I'm failing, you know. Well, enjoy the failure. What do you mean? I said, I got news for you. You're on a mission. Yeah. Yeah. And and don't let anybody get in your way. I, I think that's the, the thing with EXP, uh, coming back to Glenn and, and Jason. Uh, I, I saw in those guys, the look in their eyes was like, we're going to do this. And they've told me years later, I, was, I think I was thought about that. We had dinner at Inman when we were, uh, you know, at Brad's event, and um, it was just us three. And, and Jason looked at me and said, Gene, you know, me and Glenn talked about it. We knew we would find you. We just didn't know who you were. <laughs> and they really did. They said, we knew there was going to be someone like you. We just kept looking. And, and you know what? In your lives, um, you know, as a, as, a, as a salesperson, keep going. Keep, don't, don't let anybody tell you, you're, you know, because you didn't become Rookie of the Year, you're not going to be good. You're not. There's no such thing as being too old, too young, too fat, too ugly, too, you know, not smart enough, you know, too smart. Right. All this Mickey Mouse that basically people use as excuses not to actually live the best versions of themselves. And it's, it's sad, too. In real estate, it's mostly I'm not going to, I'm not succeeding at a high enough level because other people have an unfair advantage. That's called life, right? There's always going to be somebody that has better, you know, maybe they're born at the slightly silver spoon or no spoon at all. It doesn't matter. The reality of it is, is that there's never, there's no such thing as a level playing field. I've never, I've never come across a level playing field. Oh my gosh. There's a few people better looking than you and I. Just a couple. Yeah, I, don't I don't know who they are. No, yeah, Brent yeah, Gove. Yeah. Brent Gove is. Actually, you know what? It's funny. You, you saw him recently, right? Yeah, he looks he's great. He's lost a ton of weight. Oh, I love him. He's, looking he's really, doing awesome. He's, he's looking doing... dapper. He's, got his little, he's rocking his little goatee, you know? He's you know? Starting... He's a, you know, that Brent Meister. But uh, the coolest part is, look at Brent Gove. I uh, just met him four years ago. I knew him at my old company, but I didn't really know him. Him and I, He and I were on the cover of the magazine one time, uh, the old ma- the company we were with, and he goes, Gene, you and I are on the cover. I said, we were? He goes, yeah, I got that magazine, man. But but I laugh. I didn't know Brent. He's become such a, just one of my best friends. When I say that, I, I don't understand why you you guys are all worried about the past. Go, go strive towards the future. Mm. Make new friends, man. I, I'm just telling you, go make new friends today. You know, don't worry about keeping the old ones. And if they're not thinking as big as you are, We've talked about this before. Go get friends that think big. 
That's beautiful. So Julie and I, again, this, I love your how you round the bend to perfect themes because it's exact. <laughs> so it's the it's the it's the climbing of the ladder in essence, right? Yeah. And you know, the, you go from one rung to the next to the next. And what a lot of people do is they'll get to the same level where all their immediate friends and family are, and they don't go to the next rung because they don't know anybody up there. But the miracle of miracles is, is that the more you climb, the more people you run across that want to that are a couple of rungs above you that want to grab hold of you and pull you up. So. I didn't oh. know you two and a half years ago. I didn't know Brent even, you know, I didn't know anybody. I knew I knew a couple of the guys in the XP personally because right. Julie and I have just stayed focused on building our coaching business. We stayed focused when we sold real estate. We stayed focused on building our coaching business. We didn't, you know, that was where our focus has been. Just writing books, doing just content, doing the best coaching program you possibly could. So we didn't do a lot of socializing and networking and we didn't know all of you guys and all the rest of it. But in that same amount of time, to your point, we've made the best friends of our lives. We we feel like we're part of a extended dysfunctional family, which is really what it is probably. But it's incredible. But the reason it's incredible is because everybody is on the same, they're climbing the ladder at different paces. That's right. You, you know, you're higher up than, you know, we are. But the reality of oh. it is, is you're there and you're going to say, okay, here's what's next. Here's what's next. Here's what's next. And that's the miracle of being around, being in an environment like this. This is the reason it really is. And this is how I truthfully feel. This is the last best business opportunity for probably everybody listening, not the last business opportunity, but the last best business opportunity in real estate. I agree. I agree completely because of the oh. people, because of the people that are already involved. And so for people to get involved in EXP Realty now, there's so many incredible people that are just there to help you. And, you know, that's not that's not BS either. It's really true. Yeah. You can pick up the phone and or in, in message anybody you want to. You could message Glenn Sanford oh. and he'll get back with you. Yeah. He'll message you back. He'll, he might just be a couple words or he's going to actually put some thought into what you said because, you know, he liked what you had to say and he's going to send a thoughtful response back. I, how many billionaires can you guys just chat up? I'm guessing not too many. <laughs> right? I mean, but that's incredible. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. And he is. He's the same guy I met, like I said, to circle back. Uh, but he's still thinking bigger. You know, we have conversations. I'm on the board for the company, and we're still thinking bigger, 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 bigger. When I say bigger, bigger, for the agent. Right. For the agent. This is all about the real estate agent, not the owner anymore. The real estate agent, not the owner. And, and wait, the owner is the real estate agent. It is about the owner, but but we're all the, that's that's so mind-boggling to me, what uh, what has happened to our industry, and I'm excited to be part of it. By the way, a third of uh, most of the realtors that you mentioned get out every year. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people go, "Why well, already missed the boat?" I go, "No, no, no. You, do you know what NAR? Thirty percent go away every year, and thirty percent come in." They go, "Really?" And I said, "So a couple of years from now, that thirty percent that just came in." 20% of them will be our superstars. Well, that's statistically correct. I mean, right. th that is the thing that's fascinating is how much that top agent, how, how they switch up. Once you're like, I, I understand completely. It's an interesting statistic though. So once you understand that in our business, it takes goes, five years on average to really have a meaningful real estate practice. Right. So, so, so you go, well, well shoot, just get after it, go sell homes and you'll meet the new agents that are going to be up and coming. Well, how do I attract real estate agents? Well, just go out there and sell and you're and, going to meet them. The new agents aren't just the millennials. So millennials, I apologize if I just offended you, but some of the best talent getting into the business now are people that are in their forties and their fifties that have done other careers. And the mm -hmm. ones that are really mm -hmm. fascinating to come across are the people that have been successful in other, you know, I'm coaching a guy right now who went to Harvard, went to Yale, 
He was a fighter pilot in the Marines. I'm wow. not going to mention his name. The guy's just absolutely amazing to talk to. And just it's incredible person. Wow. Sells real estate in Charleston, South Carolina. He's very successful. He's in his 50s. He's, he's basically, he's saying, you know what? I'm ready to re, re, recharge. I'm re- I wanted to be back there in that you know, single seat. He was flying F-18s, Hornets. I want to be wow. back. I want to experience what it means to be at that phase of my life where I'm looking to improve, where I'm really looking to take on new challenges. That's what it feels like to be involved in this company. You don't run into it. Like, you don't, I personally don't come across people that are negative. I don't come across people that are not in a mindset of trying to help other people. I'm sure there's little trivial Mickey Mouse. Like, you know, it is what it is. It's a huge company now, but it, that's not the overriding it's the excitement of everyone on this amazing, you know, starship going to Mars for the first time. You know, that's what it feels like. So anyway, I hope listeners that you can relate to all of that, because if you're not feeling that way, if you are feeling complacent in any aspect of your life, I hope you understand that that's a choice. It is. You're making a decision to basically start to give up on aspects of your life that you are giving up too soon. It could be your health. It could be your relationships. It could be your spill child, your education. It could be your wealth. Why don't you hit the hard reset button? Why don't you finally let, and this is the challenge I noticed that's really hard to get rid of the older you get is because you're the old software. Like we were originally born with original software, right? That our parents loaded. You know, maybe some of it was genetic and then their parents loaded this set of software and this set of software. Well, as you try, as you get older, it's harder and harder to load more software. So your software updates don't come when, like when you're younger, I see our daughter, Zoe, she's seven. She's getting software updates every like 90 days. I mean, she's going and talking and doing things that like, when the hell did you learn how to say that or do that? Or you just understood what mom and dad is saying? I guess we're going to have to start not saying things out loud in front of you anymore. But the older you get those software updates, they don't happen so fast. They happen years and years. And then we try to resist them. We try to resist the new ideas. We try to resist. I got good friends, Gene. I don't need any new friends. You know, Gene, I don't look, we've been going to the lake forever. We don't need to travel to that, that far off place that maybe I would have wanted to when I was a kid. You know, I, look, I'm okay with the way I look and the way I think and the way I, the books I read. I'm not quite ready for anything. No, no, no. Just, okay. Right. That type of thing is fascinating because that's how most people actually live their lives. And it's, it, to me, it feels, I feel when I come across somebody like that, especially in a coaching relationship, I, I am excited because I can see what they can't see yet. Cause I'm a couple of rungs up than them. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I feel unbelievably sad for them because they're letting, you know, moments, seconds, months, years go by in their lives that they can never get back. Right. And, and, and I, I feel sorry for them because they're just so stuck in believing that they've leveled off. But the thing is, is, is nobody has, none of you have, all of you are capable of such extraordinary things. And if you don't believe me, you need to meet Gene Frederick because <laughs> look what he's done in five and a half years. Oh, that's not a good enough story for you. I mean, I'm not going to talk about what Gene's worth. You, it's a, uh, it's on the, uh, uh, well, t- you, well, you it's, were... on, it's on the file. I'm not going to say it cause you, it'll make you uncomfortable. So I won't say it. But it's public information. If you guys want to research, research it, let's just put it this way. He doesn't need to be flying commercial anymore. If he chose to buy his own jet, he could. Right? Right. And that, <laughs> you just gave me a weird look. But then you look at, like, you know, uh, Glenn. You look at all these people. So look what they've been able to do in, in such a relatively short period of time. Why don't you guys align with people that think and act like that? Because that's essentially what EXP has become. Well, and I, and I got to thank Elizabeth Riley and Jill Lieberknight for just, I always thank my sponsor, Elizabeth, saying, you know, she said, can you check this out? 
I mean, just think. She that had asked funny? somebody else. She, she said, can you check it out? So I checked it out. And, and what if when you were saying all those things to these people, which you guys got to take it to heart. I listen to Tim and Julie's podcasts all the time. They're just phenomenal because they're down to earth and they're, they're giving you real stuff. Is what if I would have just said, no, I'm comfortable. Yeah, right? I'm comfortable. Me too. I'm okay. You too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know it was hard for you. I mean, I yeah. remember those conversations. Yeah, we had we to had. meet three times. Yeah, you know, I know, I know. There was some arm twisting. Julie was in. Maybe it was four. Oh, yeah, Julie was sold off. Julie the first was meeting. in. But, She's but, smarter than me, though. But I look back on it and I go, <laughs> change, guys, change in our lives anytime. For some reason, as human beings, we resist change, we resist risk. I don't know. It's just innate. It really is. Maybe it's, I don't know, it's from the caveman days or something. It's comfortable. We're not going to reach out. We're not going to go outside our comfort zone. I right. don't know what it is. but It's I a security thing. You just, yes. you just touched on it. It's basically yeah. the, you know, you're, it's, um, it's the tribal thing, right? Yeah. It's our original software. And we don't yeah. want to break out of our tribe because our minds tell us that's where we get our sense of security. So I look at it now and I go, um, I love hanging out. Almost all my friends are half my age. When I look at it, because they're the people that are, I, I just, they just give me energy. Just so you know, for all you people that think, you know, it's, I, I'm hanging out with people that are just going, Gene, why don't we go do this? And now I'm going, yeah, cool. Why don't we go do that? So I'm investing in other things. I'm not just rental Well, people homes. too. People. Not, yeah. And the people are giving me energy. So uh, I, I want everybody to know on this podcast that please don't just say, oh gosh, I'm comfortable. I want to maintain those words, when you start hearing yourself say them, run, run, come totally. On. When you feel the feelings of complacency, right. please. So, so I'll tell you where we're going to get criticized on this podcast. Because I can. So ninety nine percent of the people are going to love it, but there some people are not going to like the fact that we talked about money as much as we did. It's going to make them uncomfortable. What do you uh, say to those people? Oh, I don't. I don't understand anything. You know, twenty five years ago, when when I went to it, we've all had these down. Whatever. Twenty five years ago, I can remember trying to get gas. And I searched my car and I found a dime. And I went in, I had no gas cards, I had no credit cards, I had no nothing. I mean, we've all been at that level. It's so funny when you tell these stories, but I said, I walked in with a dime at this Texaco. And I said, dude, I can't make it home. And the guy loaned me five bucks. <laughs> and he says, dude, put five bucks in. He says, I've never seen a dime. And I said, so I went home that day and I told Susan, I said, we're gonna get rid of all our friends. I mean, this is, this, is, this is one of those moments where I said, I'm getting rid of all my friends. I mean, you, you guys, have, if you haven't done this, believe me. I said, we're getting rid of all our friends. I said, I'm going to make so much money. You pay the bills. I get emotional when I talk about it. I said, but I'm never going to have to just search for a dime again. And I said, so, so that was 25 years ago. And I look at what we've been through and we've had other downtimes and things happen in our lives, but... I want to be around the people that when, when you tell these stories, that I want you guys to feel it, that if you're down there, the only thing that can give you freedom is know that you can make so much money. I don't understand why we don't talk about it. We should teach our kids. Totally. If we, if we can make so much money, the pressure, let me tell you, ulcers and heart disease, and everything. everything, everything comes from pressure. Marital problems, the number one everything. cause of divorce is basically financial issues, oh. health problems, financial issues. It's the 800 pound gorilla. Yes. And when that son of a bitch is off your back, oh. even if he starts, as he starts to let go, yeah. everything changes. That's yeah. the point we are hopefully I'm, making I'm sure, earlier. I'm sure being an ex-bean counter as I am, I'm an ex-accountant, that people freak out when I said, I don't know what our bills are. I've never paid a bill in 25 years. I don't know what they are. 
Do you understand? I don't even know how much the house payment is or the car payment or whatever payment we have. Why? Because I don't make no payments. Everybody goes, what do you mean? I said, I wanted that off my back and I wanted to go make so much money that we're giving millions of dollars away this year. I, I want to make a point you know to, what I mean? to what you're saying. Totally. Yes. But the reason that you are where you are, and it would be fun to ask you if you ever thought you'd be where you are financially. I have to think that hopefully the answer is yes. But the reason you are where you are isn't, is because you have helped thousands of, literally tens of thousands right. of other people create wealth for themselves. So there's a direct correlation between the number of people you help accomplish their goals in life and the amount of, and the number of goals that you personally will be able to accomplish. There's a, it's a direct relationship. If you're, if you're not making the money that you want to make, if you don't have the lifestyle you want to have, if you don't have the, everything that you want in life, it's simply because you resist the idea subconsciously that there's a direct effort or the direct relationship between what you have and what you're experiencing, and who, even who your friends are, frankly, and the number of other people you've helped accomplish their goals. No, there's and, no doubt in my mind. My still, my still big why is, is I want to help agents. And I still want to help agents. You know how many car payments I've paid for agents? You know how many house payments I've paid for agents in my career being a manager of a real estate office? <laughs> Tons. I'm never getting them. I didn't expect the money back. You know why I didn't expect the money back? Because I knew they needed it. Now, now, I can help them. I mean, 3000 a month, 2000 a month, 5000 a month is life-changing for everybody on this call. Yeah, that's the thing, everybody that's, that's the thing it sold me to, right there. That's right there, it. and I know I can help them. So those 242 people that were making more than 3000 a month in my old company, we're going to have hundreds and thousands and thousands of people making that. And now I can help them, and it's just it just drives you. Well, the the goal for EXP, if I remember correctly, was what forty three percent of all agents of the company will be making revenue share by the end of next year. Right, something like that. That's extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and it's not the ones making the tons and tons of money. It's the ones that are, you know that are, uh, you know, that's what I think that's what drives all good brokers. Because I've been a real estate broker since nineteen eighty six. Um, all good teams. You know, we, we, you coach a lot of the top teams. You talk to the top teams. I go, what drives you? Oh, my team members. I want them to, you know, I love the cop that I just got a policeman. He, he didn't even know how to sell real estate. And I taught but him how to sell real estate. So that's a double-edged sword too, because it's the old thing of put your own mask on first, right? Right. So what a lot of people do is they'll sacrifice too much and they don't make any profit. In other words, the, the times get tough for the three or four months and all those team members and all that brokerage and all those people that they've helped, there's no one there to help them. And that's one of the things we do bring to a lot of these relationships with our clients is that you have to put your own mask on first because if you don't, and when times do get lean, you're going to be the one that suffers the most. And that's, the, again, the beauty of the model that Glenn created. Because Glenn actually had a real estate team, right? Right. He had a big success. He was what, there. What, what city was he? Where was well, this? well, it was in uh, Bellingham, Washington. And just think, well, he was actually in about four or five cities. Mm -hmm. He was in Phoenix, Arizona. He had, he had expanded, right? These big Expansion teams. team thing. Expansion team. He was one of the first ones at KW. But what's good about Glenn is he realized this ain't working. Right. See, that's why I said the, the downturn in 08 and 07, 08, 09... He went, uh, okay, guys, we're going virtual. I'm going to figure this out. And that's why if more people would have done it, we'd have more virtual companies. The problem is that some of these people just kept making money, so they think they're doing well. In reality, the downturn of caused a new company to form. And the COVID 
oh. horrible virus. But what, look at the real estate's the only industry that really came out uh, for the better as a result of COVID. And I'm not prideful in saying that, but it is a fact. Right. And then if you look at what COVID's done, it's changed the way that people think about everything. Name one thing that COVID hasn't changed with regards to how people work, where they live, how they choose to live. I mean, Jules and I just bought that cabin mm. in Murphy, North Carolina. And Murphy, North Carolina, is, from what I could tell, has never been, and we have a lot of coaching clients there who will correct me if I'm wrong, but it's never been a particularly hot market. Second, third home area, two hours from any major metropolitan area, basically. And now, Murphy, North Carolina, you cannot find a house for sale there. And the agents that we have coaching clients there, we ask them, What's going on here? It's not the locals. It's people coming in who maybe thought one day when I'm a certain age, I'm going to retire in Murphy on a lake and I'm going to have this place in Appalachia. And now they're saying, you know what? I'm not waiting 20 years. I'm actually going to do something. I can work remotely. I have an internet connection there. I'm good to go. The companies are saying, yep, you can work remotely, live wherever you're going to live. And you're seeing for the first time and since the industrial revolution, actually, yes, since the industrial revolution, you're seeing for the first time the the essentially people not moving into the major metropolitan areas out out. and that's some that's a trend that's clearly just getting started because now people have they have freedom and again they're having the freedom to live where they want to live and live how they live and on the other side of this you know pandemic and when we're having to pay the bills and all this money that's been pumped into the economy cities and states are going to start raising property taxes cost of living are and these very expensive areas is going to get even more expensive and you're going to see those trends continue well, what other trend in real estate is going to be more assured than working with eXp? Because then you can, you know, essentially you're working for a virtual company that was literally built for the market that is obviously uh, maybe would have taken 10 years for eXp to be as irrelevant as it is as, as it is now. But now it's basically going to the next level. And here's the other thing. eXp grew to 42,000 agents this year and there were no live events. Everything was virtual, right? Phenomenal. There was no lunch and learns that weren't on Zooms. No. It was a no. now. Now imagine as the pandemic starts to ebb and and the you know dogs of war start to get released again <laughs> and people can start doing events all over again. Then you're going to see it's not just I think a hundred thousand in my opinion a hundred thousand is not thinking big enough. I really I think it's going to be far more than that just because people are underestimating the sting a financial sting that agents have been feeling and maybe before they would have said I'm good. I like my where I am. I like my bricks and mortar. But now they're coming out of this. They're realizing I need to maybe think uh, in such a way that I don't have to ever be a, 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 on my financial heels again, just like you did when it sounds like you were right. about 40. You know, that was a little for you. That was right. a huge financial pivot, right. you know, emotional pivot. I bet you millions of agents around the world are going through that right now. Oh, And they're going to have to hang their licenses somewhere. And they're going to hang their licenses most likely with the company that makes the most sense, which is going to be XP Realty. I don't know about everybody on this podcast, but 10 months ago, I thought Zoom was what my granddaughter did on her bike, <laughs> you know, and, and, and 10 months from now, this is, we're at the end of December, 10 months from now, you guys are going to know what Verbella is. For sure. Verbella has changed the way, that's why we're looked at as a technology company, yep. right? Well, not only that, but look what Glenn's done. I mean, it's crazy, right? right. He's bought Success, the magazine. Right. There's going to be a, we're going to have essentially a, a search portal that's going to, you know, uh, compete with Zillow and Realtor.com, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And where are those leads going to come? They're going to go to EXP agents. People aren't talking about that. That's obviously the direction it's going to go. So if you look at the technologies that Glenn was inspired to create for the betterment of the agents' experience and their their own, you know, their own businesses, that's it's incredible. And just the acquisition of Success Magazine, if you think about that. Oh. Like when I first heard that, like I didn't understand it. I, I liked it. I recognized the power of the 
old URLs and the search benefits and certainly the success brand is like it's a magazine you see everywhere. Uh, but why would EXP buy it? And then I talk with a couple people and they're like, and then I, it's, well, this is why. This is what's going to happen. It's like, oh my God, that's genius. I know. I, I, I didn't know. even, I couldn't even put it together in my head, right? I mean, it's like you, when I was first looking into the EXP model, uh, the reason I resisted, I told you this before, is probably my ego, but I was also jealous that I hadn't thought of that idea myself. Oh, sure. It was so good. <laughs> you know, it was so incredible. I'm sure there's a lot of brokers thinking, well, I wish I would have done it. What's amazing to me is, I, you know, nobody's, nobody's going virtual like we are. But they can't. How can they, how can they do that? That's how can an existing company, unless they uh, scrap what they're doing, actually compete with the XP? Here's what they should do. They should call us. Yeah, they should and, and merge. Switch. Why and wouldn't merge. they? They if any any independent right now, of course the franchises can't because they got franchise agreements. Sure. But any independent, which are fifty eight percent of the realtors. Which people don't realize is that right. the industry is still run by independents. Right. Those people should be calling us. By the way, you and I've talked about this. I, I I'm waiting for the first big independent to get it. They will, because here's the thing that's interesting to me. Well, assuming they can rectify what to do with all their bricks and mortar locations, right. which is a bridge to which cross, they could. which they could. But the uh, fascinating thing, if you look at the profitability and you look at P&Ls all the time as a retired accountant, basically, you know, in a former uh, life. But if you look at, for example, the uh, profitability of these big brokerages, they're so small. Two, three percent, you're considered a hero in the industry, right? right? That's the tiny ass margins. And then, now fortunately, the year turned itself around, but had the year been a really hard year, like it looked like it was going to be in the spring, those brokerages would have been living on smoke and mirrors and puffing. They had been dead and yeah. gone. And so if, if you've, like, brokerages, if you're listening to this, small, medium, large brokerages, you just yep. look at the numbers. You don't look, set aside your preconceived notions. Just look at the numbers, look at the math, and then ask yourself, not as a broker owner, I don't have that be your primary question. Ask yourself if even your best agents were presented with the value proposition that eXp represents, why would they say no? And if they, you then come to the conclusion, that of course, they're going to say yes, right? Of course, your best, most loyal agents, the agents you think for sure are going to go to battle for you, when you realize that they will probably say yes to EXP, then you better start thinking in terms of how can you align with the EXP. And you know, the funny thing is with these medium brokerages that I've had the honor and pleasure of working with you and moving yep. over to EXP, their biggest issue is almost always keeping their name their identity yeah because a lot of them are generational businesses which i totally respect it makes total right. sense to me well, but guess what listeners you can keep your name right it could still be you know tim and julie harris real estate brokered by exp realty right. you can keep all your branding you can even keep your physical locations if you want to you know so all these different things it's just fascinating very exciting incredible time so I, I, one last question unless you can think of something else you want to talk about I don't know. I'm just kind of excited to be with you, my friend. Yeah, me too. It's fun, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Um, so I love it. Three, uh, a year from now, we're mm -hmm. sitting wherever we're sitting. Inevitably, mm -hmm. it's going to be Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a beach nearby. Yep. We'll be fully caffeinated. I mean, all these things will be true, right? <laughs> yeah. So what are the three things you want to be looking back upon that you want to say, these are the three things I'm, you can change the word from proud, but the three things I'm most proud of having accomplished in the last 12 months, what will those three things be? Uh, I, I would say number one, um, uh, to me, uh, I think we're going worldwide. Definitely. I, I mean, this is exciting me. We'll probably be in another 15 countries. That's coming from someone from the board of directors. So maybe, Sorry. well, I don't know. <laughs> it's Not, a guess. It's a guess. It's just a guess. Spitballing. But, but to think that we'll go from eight countries to over 20, let's say in a year, um, 
to me, our worldwide expansions just a, a year from now it's going to explode us you got to be killing yourself in that sun by the way oh no i'm fine i'm fine okay but yeah but, but but here's my thing i i think when i look back a year from now i just talked to a guy uh from i'm not can't say the country because somebody might know who he is but um he says i really don't know you guys on the world stage yet and i said isn't that cool <laughs> he goes, what do you mean? I said, true. That's, this is cool. He goes, yeah. And he's so pumped up. And he is, there's two guys that I'm meeting recently that, I mean, they're going to explode. So I think a year from now, definitely look back that we're going to, the same thing that happened in the U.S. is going to happen worldwide where they didn't, we had to explain who EXP was for a while. And then all of a sudden it's just going to go crazy. So a year from now, um, uh, gosh, I, I just look back on it, uh, making tons and tons of agents like you said, the gorillas off their back. That excites me. Like you said, if you help a lot of people, um, I have so many people texting me now. Just imagine a year from me texting me going, Gene, you changed my it's life. Emotional. I, I, oh, it's emotional. I, I don't want it to sound contrived to our podcast listeners, but oh. when you get somebody and you've changed their life, I mean, same. I'm not as many as you, obviously, but it's, when I have these people, they're messaging Julie and I thanking us for simply having them switch brokers, right? That's really an essence. And then take advantage of the opportunities that are DXP. And especially at the end of the year and they're being, you know, in holiday mode and they're, you know, sharing screenshots of how much their stock is worth or how much money they've made from revenue share. Or even, frankly, just the fiery fact that they made so much more selling real estate. Like I have this great guy and uh, I know he's a listener, so I'll say his name. He always likes it when I give him praise, right? Chuck Williamson. I remember Chuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's fantastic. Yeah. And so Chuck's, Chuck was, uh, he's made so much more net profit this year because simply he switched DXP. Because his cap was $16,000. He pays it off by like, you know, January 15th every year. You know, he, he's always basically 100% with EXP because he's all, and he's an icon agent. The amount of additional money he made this year was he was able to buy a gorgeous cabin on a lake. It wasn't even like cabin. For me to say it as a cabin is ridiculous. It was like this three-story mansion. You know, he texted me pictures and he said, I just bought a cabin on a lake, you know, because he knew we bought that place in Murphy. And there's this ridiculously beautiful house with this great pier on this massive lake, which is so big, it looks like an ocean. You can't even see from the other side. And it was like, I did it for the money I saved from moving over to EXP. And that's yeah. incredible. Yep. yep. You know, and stories like that, being able to experience people in this joyous, appreciative time in their lives is a true blessing. And I think the third thing I'll look back on, I'll have more friends. Yeah. I look back on it every, every year I get more friends. I mean, we're going to do masterminds here. We're going to do, uh, when I say masterminds, I mean, I love masterminds because you're, and I'm going to have new friends. See, I look back on a year and I have so many more friends here than, you know, you and I both moved to Puerto Rico at the same time. You were here a little earlier than us. A little yeah. bit earlier, but not much. But, you know, when I look back on it, I go... We oh, should tell that story. That's a oh funny story. Oh my gosh, there's so many good friends here. It's like, I go, golly, I didn't know them two years ago. Well, let's tell the story just because the listeners might appreciate this. So we're sitting at the restaurant at the Sheridan Inn in Georgetown. And I'd heard of the benefits business-wise for moving to Puerto Rico before, but I hadn't really studied it. I just heard about it. And then we're sitting, you know, having lunch with you. And yeah. then we don't even need to give the particulars of the numbers and whatnot. Sure. But he told us the advantages of moving to Puerto Rico. And and we were looking for a place to move at that time because Julie's allergies had gotten so bad. Did I ever tell yeah. you about oh, that? Oh, yeah, you told and me. And she yeah. couldn't breathe. She only had 50% lung capacity. She was a oh. mess. We had to move out of Central Texas. Yeah. And uh, and then when you said that, it wasn't. it was August or September that we actually moved. Because it was like, boom, I get it. There was nothing else more to talk about. And we just basically moved to Puerto Rico. Which has been one of the most 
been the hardest and one of the easiest things to have ever done because right. it's such a, a blessing. You know, Puerto Rico is an amazing place. Well, it's gorgeous. And my, my sister just left. She was here for four or five days. My sister grew up in Hawaii. Mm. She went to high school in Hawaii. And she says, this is prettier than Hawaii. And I sit there and I go, I oh, know everybody thinks of Hawaii as the, uh, this is a jewel. It is. This is the jewel and it's, and it's larger. I don't feel, of course, you know, it's a, it's a large, large island, three and a half million people, but the people are the, what make it special. The people are so friendly and, and I, I just love it. I'm Puerto Rican. Yeah, friend. me too. We're Puerto Rican. We're Puerto Rican. My wife's Puerto so, Rican. I know. My daughter's Puerto, Puerto Rican. Rican. And I just <laughs> love to say it. And I go, I think it's because I grew up out west. I grew up out in the Phoenix area and everybody went to Hawaii on the west coast, right? But I didn't realize on the east coast, everybody went to Puerto Rico. It was kind of their Hawaii. And then when I come out here and see the foliage, we walked the rainforest the other day and uh, the rainforest is so cool and mountains in the middle and uh, and of course we went snorkeling the other day and diving and and uh, I, I just look at it and go, I'm blessed. I wake up every day and I walk the beach and take pictures of the sunrise and I'm going to do it. I for see the rest them every day. Yeah, <laughs> I keep sending them to you. Yeah, but it's 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 really cool. You know what? You you said did you ever imagine making this much money or being worth this or whatever? I really here's what I think. I don't really ever put a limit on my imagination. I've just always been like that. In other words, well, everybody, that's the problem too, is everybody goes, well, I want to make that much money. Well, then when you make that much money, what happens? Destructive mode. Right. So, so I really just want to live every day to the fullest. And it's really weird, kind of, kind of airy fairy, but I want to be the best person I can possibly be every single day. And if I can do that, life's going to take care of itself and there's there's so much abundance well so you're the what what the listeners i hopefully are taking from listening to you is you're the embodiment of understanding without even you know saying it that the more people you help accomplish their goals right. at a high level the more of your goals you'll accomplish and so what i'm taking from our time together i already knew this about you but what i'm taking from our time together hopefully our listeners are hearing it as well is you don't want to stay complacent because what's really driving you isn't the money the money is the natural side benefit right. of being in a of putting yourself in a position where you're constantly improving so that you can help more people right that's the essence of it that's it yeah and that's what so you know we talked about this at lunch too there's three things every person means uh, needs in life they need someone to love they need something to do where they you know feel that they're contributing right. and they need something to look forward to and if you have all three of those things in abundance then you have a wonderful life if you're missing any of those three things then you seriously need to maybe load in some new software and i'm challenging all of you that the thing that you need to look have to look forward to is what will come on the other side of you joining EXP because that's going to give you more things to look forward to than you can possibly imagine. If for no other reason, you're going to basically be making more money than probably what you're making now with your commission splits and whatnot. But then as you expand your thinking and start seeing yourself capable of doing more, experiencing more, having more, then all of a sudden you're going to start really embracing the uh, other things that Glenn created in this model originally. I hope that's a journey that you're willing to take on because as Julie and I are fond of saying, you know, there's the present self of you. There's the you know present Tim and Julie, the future Tim and Julie, and the past Tim and Julie. All the benefits that we have in our lives right now are because of past Tim and Julie, right? I mean, that everything. Being here with you is from, you know, a decision that past Tim and Julie made. All, everything, right. all, the, you know, everything around me is from the decisions that we made in the past. Well, we have to be making sure that we're never leveling off in the present format because we're so, you know... Uh, ingratiated with the present version of ourselves we have to be thinking what will future tim and julie 
be wanting to thank past Tim and Julie for and our Tim and the present Tim and Julie making sure that we're not uh, being complacent so that the future Tim and Julie will not be wanting to kick past Tim and Julie in the ass. Does that make sense? You got a lot to work up to, my friend. Oh, I do. Definitely. <laughs> but I mean, you inspire, good, you inspire me. You know, That's I like good. to be around people that inspire. Yeah. I, I don't want oh, to be sure. around complacent people. Complacent oh, people no. give me the willies. Oh, no. I just, I'm, I'm around so many cool people here in Puerto Rico. EXP folks like yourself, right? We talk all the time. But also um, just other people from other walks of life. I know. Puerto Rico is incredible. Oh, you know, gosh. Where we, in Dorado, where we live, we, oh. I, we trip across. I, oh, what, I, you know, just yeah, yesterday, yeah. We, were, we were golf karting, right? And coming one way uh, is this guy named, uh, you know, opposite of us was uh, John Malden. Now, here's a funny story. I met John Malden through another friend um, at a little beach restaurant in uh, Dorado. And uh, I had heard his name before, but I didn't really know who he was. Well, it turns out Julie knew who he was because she's been getting his newsletter for years and reading it. And you, it, he's a financial guy. He's a money right. guy. And then now we've become friends with John Malton. So we, you know, we stop him, you know, as he's going one way and we're on the other on the golf cart. And we just exchange some niceties. And it's like, oh, my God, I just talked with somebody who's basically a living legend, you know. Right. And, and it's, it's just an amazing thing. But again, that goes to the longer you're willing to stay climbing that ladder, the more people you're going to come across, even if you're just basically a poor dude like me from Central Ohio. They people like to help people that are also ascending, people that are um, you know strivers, people that want to always improve themselves. They get incredible amounts of fulfillment from helping other people, pulling other people up. Matter of fact, that is almost the life energy that that empowers them to want to go higher themselves. The fulfillment of helping other people. Right. And that's you know, hard to explain, right? Until you've actually lived a life like that, or at least tried to. You know, it's so funny. John Wooden was one of my heroes. He was the basketball coach at UCLA, lived to be 100. When he was 90, he says, can I go back and be an assistant coach at UCLA? He loved coaching. He loved, he loved what you do. I see the passion you have. What's kind of cool is John Wooden, the number one coach of all time, goes, at 90, can I go be assistant coach? That's awesome, though, isn't it? Isn't it cool? Yeah. It was like, he just wants to help. He just wants to teach. He says, I miss teaching. He didn't miss all winning all the championships so we're i hope that never leaves us that we want to help people that is it i mean that's the essence of all of it really at the end of the day yeah and the money stuff it's it's definitely necessary it definitely makes life better there's definitely no downside in having more money do not be confused about that there's no aspect of life that's not improved with more money none even the worst problem in the world better when you have money because the problem isn't as bad so you know don't be confused about that listeners don't be you know please don't be dissuaded and not hearing what we had to say just because we talked about money and maybe that's your bugaboo mm-hmm. unbugaboo that <laughs> and then realize that everything you want in life comes on the other side of you helping more people accomplish their goals and if you're not at that point where you wanted to be hope to be or maybe you never thought like that hopefully today's podcast will inspire you Anything you want to say to these guys as we round the bend? No, just enjoy your lives, guys. 2021 is coming. Let's go. <laughs> so the only Woo! thing we didn't experience in 2020 was alien visitation. I thought we had that. I thought you already discussed that earlier you know, in the Julie year. and I are waiting for it. We made a list of all the crazy things that, that will be happening in 2020, and we had them all. Flying snakes, <laughs> you know, get what murder hornets, you know, global pandemic, all these things. And the only thing that we didn't get was like number 11 on our list of crazy wackadoodle things, alien visitation. Next year. Next year. Good. Hey, you know what? More people we can get into EXP. Yeah. We can go interstellar. <gasps> We're not thinking big enough. Mars. Interstellar. Mars. <laughs> Glenn, if you're listening, we need to start thinking 
about different planets, solar systems. <laughs> God bless all of you. Merry Christmas. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.